Off top, the average cloud weighs about a billion pounds. Are you music? This is the Dominique Foxworth Show. I knew that one. Welcome to the Dominique Foxworth Show. My man Charlie is here, and we are joined, as we have been for several Fridays, by the editor-in-chief of the Kimes Times, Mina Kimes. What's up? A defunct, one of many defunct uh, newspapers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Kimes Times was a was a one-man operation, though, so no layoffs there. Um, I like these facts a lot. I'm trying to retain them for when my child is old enough to be entertained by them. I'm, I'm that, I didn't know that. I'm sick of these insults. You don't like off top. It's fine. You don't have to like off top. You don't have to keep reminding me that it's for children. And then several weeks in a row, Mina's like, little babies like this. I like them too, Mina. Okay. I'm a little baby, I guess. I like facts. I tried to play it off like it did hurt my feelings last week, but you're clearly pointing out that there's something consistent with little kids in my brain that are similar. It's fine. I'm happy. Hmm. Hmm. Well, I, I didn't say that they weren't interesting to adults. I just think Clearly. they're especially interesting <laughs> to kids. Well, Do you think there's any kids who listen to this podcast? Sometimes I wonder that with my show. <laughs> kids learning about DVOA and EPA per play. Well, I'm That's a kid at young. heart, and that is Mina's podcast where they will learn about that. We have a hard and fast rule against these type of stats. No, actually, we use them all the time. I was trying yeah, to make on. us seem cooler and Don't better than, than the nerd show over there because we're fun for kids. <laughs> <laughs> you uh, literally have Bill Barnwell on Mondays. So oh, stop that, it. That's he not- is the, he, we, we have him on in order to distinguish ourselves from him as the Dave Canales of podcasts is what we are. Hmm. You're the Dave Canales of podcasts. You want to talk about that higher or do you want to talk about the games? What do you want to do? Uh, Charlie, take the wheel. Yeah, Let's talk about the games first. It is... The Friday before championship weekend, we're going to see hopefully two really exciting football games. And I do think we should start with Ravens and Chiefs. I mean, Mm. this is obviously a juicy matchup. A couple of two-time MVPs playing against each other. The Ravens who have been quietly historically great this season and continuing to roll against a Patrick Mahomes team where, is it fair to say they've already been overachieving considering the talent level? But my question is, let's go through this game. But let's start with the quarterbacks. Okay. Who has more to game th- gain this weekend, Lamar or Mahomes? Oh, we first take question mm-hmm. in them. I like it. No, no, Where no, no, no. the first take question? Who's got more to gain? I I'm not judging it. You're going to drill down. So pressure. we're starting. We're I'm not, starting no, no, no. Cross. I'm sorry. To, maybe I set the defensive tone for this show. <laughs> I did not I like, mean that. Maybe you did. <laughs> I did not maybe mean that. Maybe you set the defensive tone. I like, I like that question because it's actually a tough question. I would say Lamar Jackson is where I started. Then I go Mahomes. Then I come back to Lamar Jackson. So I end on Lamar Jackson because I think Mahomes – has uh he's right now fighting with ghosts like right he's already reached that point in his career but uh so i do calling tom grady a ghost yes Tom Brady. because that's who he's that's who he's actually fighting with in my opinion that's it that's the only other comparison and which is absurd joe Joe montana this early in his career i mean i think modern football is slightly different brock purdy is the one we compare to joe montana in this (laughs) how how dare i he it's it's odd to have someone as prolific as tom brady to have his like real competition be here already and have them actually played against each other. So I do think that there is something about taking this team to a Super Bowl and beating this Ravens team that um, that would elevate 
Patrick Mahomes to some degree, but he kind of did this last year where we're like, this team ain't good enough. He won a Super Bowl with him. Uh, I think Lamar Jackson, the only thing left on his resume to do to start to get into historic quarterback conversations is to win a Super Bowl. Uh, Mahomes is already in it. So getting in that conversation, I think, is more the game for Lamar than Mahomes. Yeah, I think um, I agree. Uh, it, it just kind of depends on what you're uh, defining, like, you know, in terms of like who needs it, who, what would be impressive about it? Like, how are you looking at the accomplishments? Because Lamar clearly needs it more because he needs to win a Super Bowl for us to talk about him that way. But for me, Patrick Mahomes doing it would be more impressive given the team around him and the caliber of the competition. So, you know, I think both quarterbacks have a lot to gain in that regard. Like Patrick Mahomes has less to gain on its face, but like, you know, it, it, as a a ball watcher, oh God. <laughs> we're, we're, we're a bunch of ball guys here. Yeah. We love to watch balls. <laughs> Uh, as somebody who um, really loves this matchup ball and the challenges it presents, I mean, let, well, let's actually let's let's live in live in that world of ball watching. Um, <laughs> can, can I? Is this the hardest defense Patrick Mahomes has faced hmm. ever? Uh, in in the, in the playoffs, like when we think about the, uh, I, it might be. Yeah, I mean, it's this defense is really really good. I think we they don't have the some of the names that you would expect. I think. To, because like there's something about having Miles Garrett out there that makes you feel like a defense is really great, and that defense, that Browns defense, was great. When you look at this Ravens team, there are plenty of really great players, but they are great in ways that don't jump off the screen to average people. So like all the things that Patrick Queen and Roquan Smith are doing, I think impacting through coverage, through yeah. their drops, through uh, the the blitzes and their awareness, they go, even I don't notice them until I go back and watch. And the same is true for a lot of what Hamilton has done, but the numbers speak for themselves. I think it this would be, because the Niners defense that he played in the Super Bowl is really good as well. Yeah. Um, obviously, you know, the Bucks defense that overwhelmed them at the line of scrimmage mm-hmm. was very good. I think what's so challenging about this matchup, and this kind of takes us to the actual game, is this defense is very good in ways that make this particular Chiefs offense uh, hard or vulnerable, or it's going to be hard for them because the Chiefs offense, as we know, flows, the passing attack flows through two players, Travis Kelsey and Rasheed Rice. Those players are, you know, Travis Kelsey is plays in the middle of the field. Obviously, he's a tight end, and the Ravens' defense is so strong there. They're so good at linebacker safety and slot. Um, so I think that's where it's tricky because it's very it's 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 easy for us to imagine a world where this Ravens' defense shuts those two players down. And if you shut those two players down, suddenly you're needing to win either in the run game, which they're capable of doing. Or you need other players like MBS to step up and make huge plays down the field. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's an interesting way to look at it. And before we get, we're getting closer and closer to NFL live level of conversation. I want to back us back up to some first take stuff. And the original question that you asked, uh, I would tweak it just a little bit to who has more at stake Mm. and why that's slightly different. different. It's slightly different because it takes into account what you would lose should you lose this game. Mahomes loses this game. He's essentially nothing to lose territory for Patrick Mahomes. He loses this game. It does not change him at all. He wins this game. We add 
100 points to his all-time great score. But Lamar clearly has a lot at stake because his team is better. He's been a number one yeah. seed before that's falling short. And what he could, the distance he could travel for, from losing to winning is one of the largest distances I think we've seen for a, a quarterback in a playoff situation in a long time. I also think it's Lamar because, and we actually did do this question on first day. Like, oh, we did, we did. Uh, uh, you know, like who's under more pressure? <laughs> yeah. And I, and I said Lamar because I also think this Chiefs team will probably never be this vulnerable. Um, and they're not bad. The yeah. defense is amazing, but I, and I, like I think you agree, they're probably going to be better next year. Don't you think that like Kansas City is probably? Uh, well, we'll see what be. happens with Chris Jones. Maybe that would be. Yeah. If they lose Chris Jones, sure, that could be a free agent. That could be a, a ding on them. But they're going to be better on offense yeah, next year than they were this year. That's a significant impact. But this league has changed the rules in such a way that I think having a better offense, even if your defense takes a step back, is much more important. And they, uh, the percentages on landing a receiver, they should have already had a receiver, considering yeah. how many they come through that have come through there. So that suggested me that they might land two or three in this coming year, and that's going to be something if he can do this right now. I think the loss of Chris Jones or yeah. any losses that they have on defense with injuries, he'll compensate. Yeah. Mahomes will compensate for with some receivers and improved tackle play, maybe. This is also the the year to draft a receiver. PFF has 10 receivers in their top 40. So, like, oh my God, people are going to be there. <sighs> and Rice is good, dude. Yeah. He's legit and he's going to be better right. next year. And, and I think they're going to find a receiver who's more of a deep threat. So, like, a complimentary exactly. skill set with Rice working underneath. Yeah, this is it. Ravens, Rice, this is your year. Rice will, you got this is your window. Yeah. Take it. Rice will be the the Kelsey replacement kind of guy, I think, as the guy you trust to move the chains. But yeah, they still need somebody to blow the roof off of the defense. So when I thought about this contrived question that I came up with for you guys, I thought of it two ways. So for Lamar, what he has to gain, and I don't think it's just he has nothing to gain from this. I think Lamar, of course, he has plenty to gain. No, I'm saying yeah, but I was saying our um, Mahomes. Yeah. So, but for the Lamar side of it. I think he wins this game. He goes into the Patrick Mahomes territory of like, okay, these are the two guys. It's not a one-person generation. These are the mm. two guys. These are the quarterbacks we're talking about as defining this era of football. Some with multiple MVPs, a Super Bowl winner guy. He's awesome. For Mahomes, I looked at it slightly differently. And I was like looking at paths to victory. How do the Chiefs win this game? And I think it's going to be very hard for the Chiefs defense to dominate. I think we talked, me and Dominique talked about this a little bit off air, is the Ravens defense doesn't give up explosives. Patrick Mahomes is going to have to black out and make zero mistakes picking them apart yeah. in the middle of the field with the short passing game. And if he does that and they win this game, it'll be an immaculate performance from Mahomes. And that type of thing, when you are the underdog, is something that can really elevate you when you're John Elway, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, yeah. Patrick Mahomes. I mean, he's already there, though. Yeah. Like, and it, you know, like I agree with you. We, it, well, think about this: the the only game really where I felt like the Ravens' defense um, got like, you know, they, you know, they, they they obviously didn't go undefeated, but the game that stands out in my mind where they got actually beat down was the Rams game, and the Rams beat them uh, doing a couple of things. One, they ran the ball really well. I I can't get that first drive out of right. my mind against the Ravens' defense, and I think Kansas City is capable of that. Although it'll be harder without Joe Tooney if he doesn't play. By the way, that's a huge mm -hmm. injury to watch. And then Stafford blacked out. I mean, he just went absolutely nuclear in that game, and they were killing them on those deep crossing routes, um, with the which Rasheed Rice is capable of. So I think you, like you said, you I think you're absolutely right. 
Patrick Mahomes has to have an insane performance, but like, you know, he's done it a lot. Like, I don't think, I don't think I'd be like, Whoa, my God, Patrick Mahomes went from like 99 to hundred. Like he's already yeah. there. So he's capable of it, which is why I'm not writing. I, I'm picking right Baltimore in this one, but I'm not writing Kansas city off by any means. Yeah. That'd be silly because Patrick Mahomes has that capability. I would say the, the thing about the, to be specific about the issue with Patrick Mahomes, uh, kind of dinking and dunking down the field is sooner or later something goes wrong. What if it doesn't? Yeah, that's the thing is it has to not. Yeah. And that's really hard. And I think that's the recipe. Even if they were more efficient at big plays, I still, and it seems counterintuitive, I think, considering how we think of Patrick Mahomes, I still, think the, I still think the recipe for success for the Chiefs is to speed this game up. Like, try to get to the fourth quarter as quickly as possible. So, like, run the ball, and extended drives are hard to guarantee, but long extended drives, try to have as few possessions as possible, and try to get to the fourth yeah. quarter with with Patrick Mahomes having the ball with a chance to win or extend the league. That is, I think the more plays they have, the more drives they have, the more opportunity it is for the better team to prevail. Well, so following up on that, so I think we're like getting to the point where we know that Mahomes has to play an A, an a or an A-plus game to win. The other side of this where the pressure comes in is like, what in theory does Lamar have to do? Can, can, is this Ravens team good enough to beat the Chiefs with like a B-minus game from Lamar? Yes, yeah. because they can run on the Chiefs, man. The Chiefs run defense is not good. You saw that in the Bills game. And they're especially not good versus teams that spread to run. So that run out of the gun, like the Ravens love to do. Um, I don't think Lamar, like the he doesn't have to have a bunch of crazy throws for them to win on that side of the ball. The difference is he can have a B-plus game stats-wise. But the mm -hmm. thing, the reason why he gets the MVP is because the reason why he will have a B or he can have a B plus that game and have success elsewhere is because of the way he impacts the game. Right. And I think that the shotgun running attack okay. is not too effective for most teams, but it works when you have a quarterback like Josh Allen or Lamar Jackson. And even if he's right. not the one getting the big yards, he's impacting it there. And his uh, answer to the blitz, because there's one thing we know that they're going to test them with in the first damn quarter. He's like, all right, how are you going to beat this blitz? How he makes decisions and what he does to make them pay for the blitz to get out of that. And it could be like we saw at the beginning of the second half. It could be three, four, five-yard passes, and they're not going to stack up to a whole lot, but it's going to be enough to say you're not going to beat us this way. And he could have a game with small numbers, but his impact on the game, I still think uh, it matters a lot. Mm -hmm. And their receivers, I think, at some point, they're going to get to a point where it, if the Ravens play well, I assume at some point they will just try to have tight man coverage, which is the rest. That's the recipe I would use against Lamar Jackson. It's like, look, we're going to blitz you, try to hurry, rush your process, and play tight man coverage. The zone blitz stuff that the Texans was doing was leaving people wide open, and it was not testing uh, Lamar's biggest flaw, if you can give him one, is consistently pinpoint accuracy. And that's what I would yeah. do if I was. But the problem is when you do that, you open yourselves up to big play. Because Zay Jones, or excuse me, Zay Flowers could lose somebody in underneath coverage and be gone. Uh, someone could break a tackle, likely could break a tackle and be gone. And you're opening yourself up to high-risk plays, which is what yeah. you got to do when you're outmatched. That shotgun running attack, attack leads to a lot of ball watching, which leads <laughs> to explosives. Um, <laughs> got to watch the mesh point. Uh, so let's move to the other game. Real deep question here. What's more likely mm -hmm. to you, a 49ers blowout 
or a Lions win? I say it's a Lions win. Yeah, I think a Lions win. I'm picking the Niners, but the Lions offense matches up well mm-hmm. with the Niners defense. I still think San Francisco is going to win because I think the Niners defense matches up really well with the Lions defense better even. And I think the Niners defense is um, certainly better. They're just vulnerable in ways that the Lions are primed to exploit. Uh, I mean, the the big question is how impactful can Ayuk be? And we were talking about this earlier. Kevin was Three. pointing out how great a season that uh, Brandon Ayuk has had and the number of explosive plays he had. We don't talk about him. We don't think about him much because there are a lot of other names on that list that we uh, like to celebrate. But Ayuk's been awesome this year with big plays, and they're going to need that from him because no matter what, whether Debo plays or not, he's not in tip-top form. And the, the scary thing, I think, for Kyle Shanahan and 49ers fans, or at least the thing that you're losing most when you lose Debo, is high-reward, low-risk plays. And as we were talking about in the last game, you need explosives. You can't consistently move the ball down. And when you are trying to get explosive plays, you're throwing the ball deeper down the field most of the time. And those have lower completion percentage and higher turnover percentage. However... When you got somebody like Debo Samuel, you can throw it to him behind the line of scrimmage, and it feels like you have just as much a probability of having an enormous big play without the risk that that you have in Purdy or not Purdy, any quarterback taking a shot downfield. So they're going to miss that, and they're going to have to find a way to manufacture it with the guys that they have who are closer to 100% healthy. Yeah, I was... I was just pulling it up, um, trying to kind of figure out the impact of Debo either not playing or not playing. And I was going through some of the splits for the the Niners this year. And one of the things I was curious about, I thought, okay, I think the Lions will blitz a fair amount in this game. Um, Something that they did in the last round. And I was thinking to myself, well, when they blitz, then, you know, obviously Debo is probably a a really uh, helpful guy to have against that. But actually, and I was surprised, uh, Brandon Ayuk's been way more the answer for, I mean, Kittle is still the number one and, and the offense goes through him. But the, I was surprised to see how often Brock Purdy targets Ayuk when he's pressured or when he's blitzed. And to Dominique's point, that's where they get a lot of their big plays. I don't think there's a DB in Detroit who can cover Brandon Ayuk. Um, I think... We'll see what they do with uh, Brian Branch, who I think is probably already their best player in the secondary. They might put him on McCaffrey a fair amount, I think, if McCaffrey's lined up as a wide receiver. But their outside corners are super, super vulnerable. And I think Ayuk's going to be open a lot. The question for San Francisco is just whether or not Brock Purdy can get the ball to him, whether or not he's under any pressure at all. But I suspect that Ayuk has a big day as well. I think they're going to be relying on that running game a great deal, which, I mean, it's not revelatory, but uh, without... Would you, though? Because Lions' run defense is much better than their pass defense. Yeah, I, I guess the the reason why I come to that conclusion is my feeling about Debo is Debo is also an answer to the yeah. running game. And I, I I think that what we know of Kyle Shanahan in these situations is he he turns out to be a little bit more conservative, and I don't think Brock Purdy gives him the confidence to loosen the reins on his conservative play calling. I think this might be the week, though, where they where it is about the number one receiver. Because let me just go through how top receivers have fared against Detroit Uh-oh. this season. C.D. Lamb. I mean, do you say the Chargers? No. Or did you say, or <laughs> he, did said you Detroit. Detroit. Okay. he said Detroit. Detroit. Okay, uh, yeah. The Chargers is even worse, <laughs> yeah, probably. <I'm> sure. <laughs> 
Oh God, I miss my my favorite Brandon Staley. Um, CD Lamb, thirteen for two twenty seven and a touchdown. Justin Jefferson, twelve for one ninety two and a touchdown. Puka, nine for one eighty one and a touchdown. Keenan Allen, eleven for one seventy five and two touchdowns. Mike Evans, eight for one forty seven and a touchdown. Justin Jefferson again, six for one forty one and a touchdown. And the Lions play the sixth most most man coverage, and Ayuk leads the 49ers in destroying man coverage. He's really an underrated player. Second team I, all I, pro. Second rated receiver in the or second highest graded okay, receiver so in the NFL. I just pulled this up. When a quarterback is pressured, the number one receiver in the NFL in yards per target is Brandon Ayuk by a pretty significant amount. More than C D Lamb, more than Jamar Chase. 14.4 yards per target when the quarterback is pressure. That's an insane figure. Um, yeah, I, 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 and he's been really good. 72% catch rate, which is also insane when you consider that that's the target. Like that's very, very high and very, very unusual. This is, uh, uh, yeah, this is, uh, this is the dilemma that is playing against the 49ers is we're sitting here drooling about their fourth option. <laughs> it's kind of outrageous. If you think about when you come into this game, who are you thinking we got to stop? It ain't Brandon Ayuk normally, but Brandon Ayuk is a problem. Well, that's what I was wondering. So this is actually a Shanahan question. I don't understand why when you have this roster that has, even if he's somewhat impaired, McCaffrey, Kittle, um, Ayuk, and you lose Debo, why can why is that such a huge thing where they stop being able to move the ball? I don't think they stop being able to move the ball. I think you're talking about the last game. Really? I mean, yeah. I think Brock Purdy was just inaccurate and the rain affected him until that final drive when he kind of got it together. Uh, there were like a couple weird, like I do think Shanahan um, didn't make adjust. Like I think he was pretty thrown by the loss of Debo as evidenced by the fact that he gave Juwan Jennings a Debo carry in the beginning of the second half and it got blown up. But, um, <laughs> you know, I uh, look, a lot of their offense does flow from having both CMC and Debo on the field at the same time and being able to use them in different ways. So I do think schematically you know it, it it's such an untraditional offense and he's such an untraditional player and he's not replaceable one for one you have to completely change the way you call the game um but they have all week now you know they know that i think in game probably it was a little more damaging than it would be going into this week knowing that you may or may not have him agreed and i i mean the some of the numbers from this season at least are skewed by the fact that trent wasn't there either yeah. so like i think having missing one important player and missing two important players is significant. And then we go back and pretend like it was just Debo feels like a little bit unfair, especially when, uh, I mean, the rest of that O-line is nowhere near at the level of Trent Williams. Oh. And they weren't really important for each other, Dominic. Cause like when you don't have Trent Williams, you're under pressure more. I know I just said Brandon Ayuk cause he gets the big plays under pressure, but Debo to your point is the safe outlet, right? And who can then get you yards after the catch. So it was almost like, losing it's kind of like how we talk about cluster injuries like you don't want to lose like both your you know right guard and your right tackle you don't want to lose trent williams and your outlet guy and they did for three games yeah the big multiplier effect let's talk about golf for a tiny bit on this because it's going to be both these it's going to be supposed to be 70 partly partly cloudy um the 49ers defensive line has been up and down in generating pressure this season um i think to say the least you expect a good a good jared goff game against the 49ers defense plays like this I do I mean I, I think a good Jerry Goff game in large part because that O-line of the uh, Lions has been incredible all year long uh, and they're going up against a defensive ends that you can run on in particular and I think that these all these Shanahan disciple offenses are predicated on 
forcing you into compromising yourself because we can run the ball. And once they hit those edges and no one's going to all of a sudden learn how to beat Penny Sewell, once they hit those edges a couple of times and then commit to trying to stop these outside runs, I think throwbacks and uh, speedos, deep overs, and I'm on Ross St. Brown in isolation. Like I think that Jared Goff, we're not going to be asking him to do anything super. And he was able to last week. Uh, he made some throws that were like, oh, shit. That's why he was number one overall. I was really impressed by Jared Goff last week. Me too. He, I, if football was played between the numbers, he would be Patrick Mahomes because he's unbelievable throwing <laughs> over the middle of the field. But he was making some good throws outside the numbers. Like there was a couple of like, oh, Jared. Like I, I thought it was a really impressive performance. I've been really impressed by him generally this season at times against the blitz doing things that we don't associate with him or doing well over the course of his career. Um, and I do, I, I think this offense is going to have success against San Francisco to Dominique's point. They have a real big advantage in the run game. Everything we just saw green Bay do the lions can do just as well against uh, the San Francisco front. So yeah, I, I, I think he's going to be in a pretty good position to have a good day through the air because that Niners front won't be able to tee off. Oh. Last thing with these, both these offenses, they like to front run. Both of them want to be able to control the um, the type of plays they're going to call by having yeah. you know a scoreboard advantage. Who needs to play from ahead more? This 49ers or this Lions team coming into this game? Hmm. <laughs> Can I say uh, push? Um, sure. I don't it's your know. Podcast. I mean, I. Yeah, I mean, I guess we have we have evidence. I mean, Jared Goff's led comebacks before, but we have recent evidence of uh, Purdy doing it well. Uh, yeah, I, I, I guess I would go with the 49ers in part because of like the stats that are associated with uh, with Shanahan and coming back. But yeah, both of them, <laughs> they both really need it. How are you going to yeah, decide which uh... way to go on this one? I, I'm thinking, well, it's kind of, it's not just about the offense. Right. It's about the defense as oh, well. Yeah. Um, right. Because the Niners defense, I think, could struggle. If the Lions jump out to a lead, that's a real problem for this Niners defense. The best thing for the Niners defense is if the, Liners off, if the Lions fall behind in any ways, and then that pass rush can get going. As Dominique and I talked about, we, I think we both think that if the Lions can keep running the ball and controlling the game, that Niners front is pretty vulnerable to that. But if they fall behind and they have to throw it and suddenly you got Nick Bosa bearing down, you know, it's, then it gets a little bit more interesting for me. So I think actually I would go with the Lions for that reason, because I think um, the, the style of football that they want to play and the nature of the defense across from them. But it, it is close. And I want to say, like, I, I hear you on the front runners things, but like, man, like, both these quarterbacks have come yeah. through uh, in fourth quarters this year, so I don't think it's impossible that one of them falls behind and actually does throw his team out of trouble. Yeah, the, the scary part for both of these teams, and they, it would be to be down like two touchdowns in the first half or something like that. Like, yeah, that, then, that's a different type of. I think, yeah, that's where the question. Yeah. That, I guess that's the way I was imagining the question is like really down, mm -hmm. like not not we're going back and forth. You're right. down by a touchdown. You're down by a field goal or even ten in the first half. Mm -hmm. You go down fourteen. And we're going to see some real panic out of uh, some of these teams mm. or one of these teams. All right, let's talk a, a tiny bit of coaching. Dave Canales, <laughs> hot. Bill Belichick, <laughs> not. Um, Schefter reported today, we're taping this on Thursday, that uh, Belichick 
might no longer may no longer be the favorite to land the Falcons job after interviewing twice. Um, Leach, you believe that might be a personnel control issue. Who knows? Um, I think that's part of it. Given that the only available jobs now are the Commanders and the Seahawks, are you surprised by and the, and the Falcons? Um, are you surprised by the lack of the league's lack of interest in Bill Belichick? I think a lot of it has to do with what you just said, which is um, the personnel aspect, but not just Bill Belichick potentially wanting roster control or some sort of, you know, final say, I don't know exactly. We don't know what he's asking for, but also the people he's bringing with him. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit like when, you know, maybe you don't want to invite someone to a party <laughs> because you know, they're going <laughs> to, they're going to roll in with Matt Patricia <laughs> and Joe judge. Um, oh gosh. I, I, yeah. Cause like, I think we all expect bill to get the band back together. Right. Yeah. I, and if I'm a team, I'm a little bit wary of that. Yeah. It's a, it's a reasonable concern and the Aaron Rodgers of quarterbacks <laughs> of coaches. I mean, yeah, it, it makes sense why you would be uncomfortable with both of those things and why you would push back. I think that what we find it hard or why it's kind of surprising is given that he has a bag with six Super Bowls in it and has been the most, I was going to say, most accomplished coach of recent era, but ever in professional football. And that suggests he should get any job that he wants. But when he shows up and he's like, I also want to do these other things that I'm really bad at, I could understand pushing back against uh, that. So, yeah, I forgot what the question was, but I like Mina probably answered it, so we don't need to go back. We're just talking about why Bill Belichick, yeah. oh, the yeah, greatest yeah, yeah. coach of all time, isn't like an incredibly hot coaching prospect. The Dave Canales of coaches. Um, yeah, man, because I, I really feel like if he doesn't get Atlanta, you might sit this cycle out, mm-hmm. which is crazy. It's so, it's, yeah, Belichick and Vrabel sitting on the board along with, I mean, obviously Slick got knocked out last weekend and Ben Johnson's still in it, but yeah, those were the hot names along yeah. with Harbs. Yeah, Vrabel, yeah, I don't know. We'll see what happens with them. I think the the quarterback concern in Atlanta is still needs to be addressed and I guess if they had a quarterback that might change because I wouldn't be they have the talent offensively Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be concerned about him messing that up just yet but the question is can he decide on the right quarterback because you know the defense got better and you know that he's going to be fine with defense I I think that's the hard part is yeah I, I think I'd be willing if I was Arthur Blank to go ahead and deal with whatever nonsense that Bill Belichick wanted to bring along with him because it's not an eternal commitment. It's a short commitment and it's worth the risk. But yeah, after seeing how they handled the quarterback situation in new England, I, yeah, I would be pretty wary of that. That's a good point. Um, yeah. Oh, well, Mike Vrabel's the best coach available right now. Yeah. He could, the Falcons could hire him and then he could hire Arthur Smith to be his offensive coordinator. And then they still wouldn't get all those guys to the ball in Atlanta. Arthur Smith, future offensive coordinator for the Seattle Seahawks. You know what? Invest heavily in Colby Parkinson yeah. and Will Disley's stock then, but, our other random tight ends. Let Jake Bobo cook. Oh, slow-mo <laughs> Bobo, slow-mo Bobo. All right, Mita Kimes, thank you so much for joining us. See you soon, I hope. Can't wait for our live show in Vegas. Hope to see everybody listening at that. You can get tickets at bit.ly slash Mina Fox. And uh, they include food and limited edition merch. Oh, okay. I like it. Limited yeah, edition merch. Selling. Salesmanship. Foxworth undies or something. I don't know. We'll see. I don't know what the merch is yet. So don't get excited if you thought you'd get Foxworth undies. All right. See you, Mina. Time for Roses and Thorns. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do. You do. We all do. 
big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash DF today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash DF. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic liqueur. Barnstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash network. He's so good! How has Dominique been lately? Bad or good? Let's find out. This is Roses and Thorns. All right, time for your favorite segment with my favorite person, my wife, Ashley, and Roses and Thorns. What up, buddy? Hi, honey. I see you got the Mighty Ducks. You love that movie. I do. I think because when I was young. My duck shirt, for those who are watching. Yeah, my duck shirt. I love vintage t-shirts, too. Um, and this one was lost for a couple years, so I was really excited to, like, it popped up today. Probably our daughter stole it and put it back. Um, <laughs> when I was little, um, Kel, I mean, Keenan. Keenan, he was, was he in the first one? Which no, one? It's Which Keenan. one? It's Keenan. Keenan. Okay, oh, Keenan. Yeah. The one who's on SNL. Yes, Keenan. He was chubby and I was really chubby and he had a beautiful smile and I had a beautiful smile and we were like the same complexion. So what really bonded me to the movie probably was something that I should have been offended by, but my cousin and sister, the ones around my age, would rewind it to like the shot where like they're shooting into the oh. goal and he has this big fat smile on his face. Oh. Like, it looks just like Ellie. 
Ashley. Um, but you know what? He has a beautiful smile. So now I take it as a compliment and own it and love the movie and wear the shirt. There are actually some interesting family-related sports stories uh, from this past week that we'll get to eventually. But our family is sporting again back into a bunch of seasons. Like when we got like four basketball teams. We, yes, we have three right. kids, and only two of them actually play organized the sports because the little one is not into it. Yeah, she, she's into um, gymnastics at her own pace. Self-taught. Oh, <laughs> yeah, she, self-taught she doesn't even want to do a gymnastics class. Like, and first I thought I was holding her back because they're all like kind of far from our house, like farther out in the suburbs. But she's so into it, and so finally I was like, "Emmy, okay, you want to do it? Let's do it." No. I like to do it on my own. I said, oh, thank the Lord. I mean, she's not like after school stuff, like yeah. where they put mats out at the school and there's like an instructor who comes in at her school. But we've never driven 30 minutes away for it. Yeah, I saw, um, I, what's Declan's game a couple weeks ago? So Declan's on two different teams, one with his school and one with just a group of friends. Uh, the group of friends team is really good and he doesn't play a whole lot. They got, a, they got a blowout last week, so he played a lot in a blowout, and he's a, he considers himself a defensive specialist, which is not just he considers himself. My kids, both the girl and the two who play basketball, both like will say, like, we just want to play defense on basketball. Like, they have no desire to touch the ball on offense. Duckman was playing point guard, though, on his yeah. other team. So his other his center, school team. Point is, guard on offense, center on defense. Yeah, his school team <laughs> is not short. as talented, but he was uh, a dominating defensive presence boy, and scored a bucket or two. Well, maybe one. Okay. But I missed it, which is his first point that he's ever scored in a basketball game like ever so it was exciting I feel bad that I missed it but my oldest was finishing up piano so I was a few minutes late but other parents told me about it I mean my dad saw it he was there but he is like amazing on defense like he had at least like because he just throws his body into things and does not care like doesn't matter which sport like it's football yeah it doesn't Um, matter which sport he's playing he's always playing football he had somewhere probably between 10 and 15 steals that I saw and some heart fouls. And it was funny because it was a game at another school and he had one foul that, I mean, not some heart fouls, like one heart foul. And it wasn't even hard. It was just like very obviously we played 90s foul. basketball in, in yes. my family. Yes. Um, it was very obviously foul. It got caught as a foul. He probably ended up with like three or four fouls, didn't foul out. Good job. But a teacher on the other team was like, that's a foul. He, knew he was sweet about it. And he was standing right next to me where I was sitting. He was like angry. And I was sitting there like, well, the ref called the foul. Yeah, you're not saying nothing like amazing. Of course it's a foul. But so then and he kept talking about it. And he was like, it's, it was in good fun eventually. But then I turned to him finally and was like, well, as his mother, I will agree that that's a foul. And I will say, excuse him. This is only his second season playing basketball. And he plays it like it's football. So let's be lucky that that's all. The, I mean, let's be happy that that's all the foul was. Like, the boy didn't fall on the ground. Like, everything was okay. And then he was like, oh, okay. But when I said, as his mother, but I was like, you're not going to sit here and keep talking about my son like he did something egregious. There are fouls in basketball. They get caught. It is fine. Well, on Facebook, Lita Ramirez had a as his mother moment. She is. Mothers the, are going to mother. She is the mother of C.D. Lamb. Uh. All pro, I believe, receiver for uh, the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, nice braids and a yeah. nice smile. I do. Oh yeah, CD, I know who he is. CD, uh, yeah, he's the one who had uh, who took his second phone on draft day. That's my favorite CD Lamb moment. <laughs> he told his, me about that. His his girlfriend, I guess, at the time. I don't know if she still is or not. Reached for his phone and was messing with his phone while he was on his other phone, and he took it from her. Was like, yeah, get off my phone. Mind your business. But anyway, his mother said, "Dak ain't it." Uh, essentially That's his quarterback, on, right? on Facebook, uh, she like suggested someone suggested that CD should get traded to Houston and she kind of um, celebrated how good CJ Stroud is. And then unprompted said, 
Dak ain't it, which like uh, I know they haven't gone deep into the playoffs with Dak Prescott, but wasn't he like really good for part of the season? At least? He, I mean, he's he's really I mean, uh, he is really good. He's been really good for much of this season. Dakota been, Rain Prescott. I know yes. that because I watch get up sometimes. He's been really good for uh, yeah his entire career. But I think the how good he is is doesn't matter nearly yeah, as much yeah. as like she that's just something that. that you do. And like I don't she, care she to said that. I don't care to get into like. Um, what his mother is saying or not saying, but I do have a mother here who is going at um, teachers. I wasn't and, going and at games. him. I agreed with him. I said, him. yes, that went, is a foul. You went for his I didn't get why he was all loud about it. <laughs> it was a foul. He fouled him. Uh, I, I mean, having But then a, after that, he would celebrate when the other team, I mean, also Declan's team was down by a ton. So like, yeah. chill. Um, but he would, when the other kids on the other team did good stuff, scored or Declan killed it on defense, he would celebrate a little bit. So sometimes you got to check people and then they get back right. That's the toughest thing, though, as a parent. Like, I, I, I think, um, I don't know. I, I, don't, I won't speak for you how you feel about it. But as a parent at sporting events, like, I've, they're different experiences at different events. And I found myself getting kind of angry sometimes when they get, like, a little too intense or they try to call something and... I get it, but it's just like. But I think for me, actually, it. which almost makes me more confused why this woman um, did that. For me, like I, I was saying, the guy eventually started clapping for everybody. These other fifth graders were like killing. I mean, they won by like ten points, so it wasn't killing, but they they were winning by a lot. These boys were shooting three pointers. My son's team is fourth and fifth, and like they're my son's in fifth, but he's really short. These fifth graders were tall and they were good, and they're like they made like maybe four three pointers in the game. Like, um, they just looked more together. But even on their third three-pointer I was like clapping a little bit for the other team like so just as a mother like I want to see all the boys out there do well even though obviously half of them doing well is going to mean my son's team may lose um and obviously I would prefer my kids to win but like I mean not all the time but sometimes um, I, I like them to know how to lose too but like as a mother and I feel like as a mother of a professional athlete which I'm not we could ask your mom about this like I think that I would understand that like this is a job for these people they face so much like like criticism all the time like I can't imagine ever adding to that like even if privately I did wish my son could go on another team for x y or z reasons like it seems like you just should not speak out about that um and it is like like I have never as I'm not Dominic's mother but as his wife I feel like I used to had a few experiences obviously Dominique was nowhere near as big as Dak Prescott so not as many but like I have had a few experiences of people talking like negatively about him and like it's I mean crazy right who could talk negatively about him and it's like really upsetting like these are real people and and maybe it's not upsetting to him because like having been good at sports for so long he's able to like brush this off it's, and whatever but it's, it's hard on the family yeah, least. it's not it's, do it. it's not that it's not upsetting but you get to the point where you understand that it's part of it and nobody talking about it's going to help it uh and yeah you, yeah it's it's human nature i think to probably talk bad about people who you work with when you're with your friends or with your family but to go public with it just to and me is incredibly uncomfortable your family but. to do it like if yeah, i just started I mean. if like, i publicly started trash talking seraphina like like that why would oh, seraphina's a producer guy she's wonderful i would never do that but like or mina or like anybody yeah. with whom you work like what type of fool do i look like yeah. like this is your job your place of business i need to enjoy your paychecks and keep my mouth shut i'm sure whatever her name was cd lamb mama she got something nice coming out of this little job of her sons like like just be quiet and like yeah. let him deal with that stuff um what would you do if your mother popped off like that oh, no we we getting that straight <laughs> we getting that straight immediately like, he would he yeah. would i mean it's like, yeah, that's a you the transit and that's a transition that i think everybody has to make at some point is when you go from being 
a kid to an adult and like it happens slowly for some people as an athlete it happens really quickly because part of being an adult is being able to support yourself and uh, once i got a scholarship i was like all right well i'm good and then once you start making money it's like all right I'm good and then it starts to transition to and everybody i think experiences as their parents get older is like you become more of the parental figure more and more to the point where uh you start taking care of them and at some point you got to do it it's weird for athletes though or anybody who like has a unique situation early on where it's like oh hold up i'm 28 and i'm the grown up it's it's See, I disagree with him a little bit here. Like, I'm more deferential, even though I don't need any money from my parents anymore. Like, they don't pay my bills. Like, I trust my decision making. I'm more deferential, I think, still to my parents than he yeah. has been since he was like, since I've known him. <laughs> um, yeah, we're, we're different. But yeah, so that's not that's there, not true for no, everyone. I, don't I think, think it's true for everyone. It's, uh, if your parents live long enough, it becomes a point where you have to take oh, care yeah, of them. Yeah. So that's what I mean. It, where but I mean, it like we say, when you happen in your 20s, it's not all. Oh, no, I mean, so I don't know that CD Lamb isn't a no, place no, where no, you feel comfortable it's not about off like you would have told your mama off is all I would have never told her off she wouldn't do it but and I would tell her if she did but like it's not even about CD Lamb at this point I think it's just the Andre into the conversation about having your family or you being a public figure and having your family do it and yeah. having your family do things that maybe you do approve of or maybe you don't approve of and I'm sure they'll be fine there but the the other sports family situation that's a little funnier is uh Jason Kelsey Shirt off, drunk in the box with Taylor Swift. Having Travis is, That was my Travis favorite part is, of looking in that suite at the last game. Like, I don't care about seeing Taylor Swift. Show that. He was having fun. Yeah, he was having fun because he wanted your husband. I, I felt bad for his, his wife, but I, I'm sure Why? she's used to it. Yeah. I don't know. I, she yeah. loved that man. Maybe they are more secure in themselves than me. I care more about people, what people think slightly more than the Kelsey's, where it's like, why my grown man who has children is my husband is uh, acting like a college kid, but hey, do what you got to do. Get pissy and jump out of the box, knock yourself out, take your shirt off and slap your belly. I mean, plenty of people act like that. Maybe because he's like also a football player, like he should, you know, kind of oh, yeah, comport yeah, yeah. himself differently at the game. No, 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 no. We but... ain't plenty of people. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I agree. Plenty of people act like that, but we ain't plenty of people. But clearly, he's a he but is he a man of the people. But he can't be at the games having fun. Yeah, like if that's who yeah. he is and that's how he acts, I support it. Like I do not feel bad for the wife. I know there was a lot of like, pictures of her in the back just looking unfazed, oh, yeah. as she should have been unfazed, fine. not mad, not particularly happy about it. Maybe, maybe she might have been happy to see him letting loose and like maybe possibly entering his retirement by supporting his brother and having a blast. I support it. I'm good for them. Um, he had a blast. Met his new future sister-in-law. Um, Hope so. That'd be great. I know, wouldn't it? I'm bad. Does the NFL want Taylor Swift in this? I guess the NFL doesn't care, but they the care. Super, the Super Bowl will be pretty big either way. But it'll you, be bigger with her. Of course, it'll be. A um, bit and Jason Kelsey in the suite again. Oh, on the field. She'll be at the game this weekend. And I'll oh, be at. yes, yes. That is my. Speaking of, that is my rose of the day. That. Our son is really getting spoiled these last few weeks. Um, these last few weeks. <laughs> um, Dominique's taking him to the AFC Championship game. And honestly, part of me wanted to go, but then I saw it was going to be raining, and now they have, like, club-level seats and stuff. But So just the two of them are going to go. I'm going to stay home and watch it at home. But that's the rose. Thank you. I know it's hard, like, because you have to come back and you have to study the games. Then you have to, like, catch up on the 49ers-Lions games. Game, excuse me. But I don't know that he is particularly grateful. That you're, I mean, he's happy to go, but I don't know if he realizes, like, the sacrifice in it. But that's a rose. I'm grateful that you're taking him. Thank you. Got to come back and do this great show. 
Otherwise, we just sit there all day and me and Deck get drunk and take our shirts off and climb into Taylor's box. No, because no? it's dry January. No. <laughs> so so he's on, he's not going to be drinking. I will be mixing purple cocktails That's at home. the only reason not. Like, Declan's not that dry January for Declan. Well, he's 10, so that's why he's not drinking. He's stressed. He can um, use a sip. <laughs> 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 anyway. It's lovely talking to you, Per, yeah. always. All right. Bye, everybody. This has been awesome. Thank you to Ashley for joining us and Mina, of course, and my man, Charlie. Thanks. Big, big thanks to Podville for letting us use this beautiful, beautiful, beautiful studio that I love so much. And the great producers, Megan, Serafina, Brian, Kevin, and Cortez. We kick out. Charlie off in this ladies' name. I already said Charlie. And I was like, kick him off and you have oh. it all women on oh. Friday. Sorry, Charlie. No offense. This is the Dominique Foxworth Show.